the word of God from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 11 through 22. These readings come from the New Revised Standard Version. You can find this reading on page 950 in the Pew Bible. So then, remember that at one time you Gentiles by birth called the uncircumcised by those who were called the circumcision, a physical circumcision made in the flesh by human hands. Remember that you were at time without Christ, being aliens to the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace. In his flesh, he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall that is the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he creates in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and must reconcile both groups to God into one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through it. But he came and proclaimed peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who were near. For through him, both of us have access to one spirit, to the Father. So then, you are no longer strangers or aliens, but you are citizens with the saints and also members of the household of God, built upon the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole structure is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together spiritually until the dwelling place of God. The word of God for the world. Thanks be to God. One of the recurring themes in the spiritual life is that the scriptures have a consistent way of presenting themselves directly into our hearts in just the right way, at just the right time, in just the right situation. It's happened for me, as I know it's happened for many of you, that as you're going through a particular struggle or crisis in your life, words will come to mind that you once read that are just the right words for you. For many of us, it's the Lord is my shepherd from Psalm 23. For others, it's the passage of mounting like wings like eagles, Isaiah 40. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me from Philippians. Or all things work together for good from, from Romans. Or I know the plans I have for you, as Jeremiah says. These scriptures have just the right way of coming to us seemingly from out of the blue, when we most need to hear it. And I'd suggest to you that for the next four weeks, the book of Ephesians 
comes to us at just the right time. The premise of the book of Ephesians is consistent with something that I said on Pentecost Sunday back in May, where I gave the reason that we need the church today. Because the church is God's antidote to tribalism. Remember that the default human condition for many of us today is to categorize people, right? To to manage them and squeeze them into little boxes, ideological and social boxes. Insider versus outsider. Native versus immigrant. Law versus grace. Left versus right, of course. And holy versus heathen. The thing is, as you know, we always like to think of ourselves as the insiders, right? Rarely do we comfortably put ourselves in the perspective of those outside the privilege. I do it as much as anybody else. And the truth is, we have been doing it since our earliest Christian ancestors. The more things change, the more they stay the same. Since 2,000 years ago, the people of the first century church, even the people of Ephesians, put people into either-or binary camps. Back in those days, the big controversy was that between Christians who were once Jews and Christians who were once Gentiles. Jews versus Gentiles. That polarized debate is evident from the very beginning words that Kathy just read for us in the scripture reading this morning. Jew versus Gentile. It was the Jews who assumed the privileged position of being on the inside. On the inside of God's grace. And therefore they expected every non-Jew to be the outsider. The ones who had to conform to the laws and the rituals in order to find a way into the holy presence of God. They even had this outward invisible sign that Gentiles had to undergo called circumcision in order to be a visible part of the insider community. That, was the, that were the boxes that were evident in the Ephesian church. And you can bet that this caused plenty of cultural division. Our culture wars are nothing new. They've been around for a long, long time. And we may not recognize that debate in our world today. We don't have as much Jewish Christian versus Gentile Christian arguments. But you can bet, you can bet, we are still tribalists at heart. Left versus right. Liberal versus conservative. Progressive versus traditionalist, citizen versus immigrant, educated versus less educated, rural versus urban, gay versus straight, gators versus seminoles, ACC versus SEC, lightning versus the rest of the world, and white versus non-white. My goodness, the, the tribal lines are still there. 
Whether we intend for them to be there or not, it's part of our human condition, those binary either-or boxes that we put people into. It is our, it's our default mode. This is why the book of Ephesians comes to us at just the right time. Because Paul has a razor-sharp insight not just for the Ephesian church, but for us today. And it is this reminder that the truth of God, the heart of God, is bigger and more expansive than any of those boxes. And he has a word for both the Jews and the Gentiles, for both the insiders and the outsiders, and that word is remember. He would tell those Jewish Christians, remember Remember that the pulse and the heartbeat of the gospel is that over and over again, the hospitality of God is widened and extended beyond walls to invite more and more people into the fold. Remember when there was that wall between you and the Samaritans? Well, Jesus came along and chatted with the woman at the well. Remember that wall that was between you and the Canaanites? Jesus met a Canaanite woman, and it was her faith that impressed him more than anybody else. Remember there was a wall between you and children? Well, children, Jesus said to the disciples, let him come. Remember when there was even a wall that separated you from God? Then Jesus came along and said, I am the door. And when there was a wall that separated you from the Gentiles. God came along and gave a vision, a dream to, to Peter, a vision of a sheet dropping down to tell you that from now on there is no such thing as clean versus unclean. That's the impulse of God. That is the truth of the heart of God. That whenever we feel settled in our convenient boxes to categorize people, the Spirit of God comes along just as it did on that first Pentecost day and blows those boxes apart. That's the word for the insiders. Oh, and there's a word for outsiders too. For those who have been welcomed into the hospitality of God, there's a word for them, and that is to remember. Remember. That even though you didn't have to do anything to be saved, your salvation now calls you to live a different way. Just before today's scripture reading, right there in Ephesians 2, there's a very important passage that Paul says to the Ephesians. It is a reminder that even though you have not been saved by your good works, you have been saved to do good works. And that means... That grace is not cheap. That being welcomed into the family of God now commands of you holiness. To live a certain way. A way of peace. A way of love. A way beyond division. A way, of, a way beyond discord. A way to heal and to reconcile you and other people and you with God. So, if you were to ask Paul, who is right the insider or the outsider, Paul would basically say in Ephesians, I don't want to play that binary game. I don't want to live according to those either-or propositions of which camp is correct. Paul.
would say the exact same words to us today that he said to the Ephesians in verses 13 and 14, which I believe is one of the theme verses of this entire book. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. Why should we be the church today? Because we are called to be the antidote to tribalism. Because we have the burdensome privilege of modeling for this conflicted world what it means to be at peace with one another of offering for the world the possibilities of peace and reconciliation over and against the tribalistic tendencies of our social condition today. That is why we need to be the church. And every once in a while, every once in a while, these words from Ephesians come to life in the most surprising ways, from the most surprising Sources. Last, last December, CBS Evening News ran a story about two preschool children who refused to live into the binary boxes and the tribalistic tendencies that so many adults tend to live in. The, the book of Ephesians was not once mentioned in this entire news story, but as you can see, Somehow, these two girls got it. We end the week with the story of two little girls. They are just four years old, but grown-ups could learn a lot from them. Here's Steve Hartman on the road. The red. Miami preschoolers Gia Sarnicola and Zuri Copeland say they're not best friends. I know. They say they're closer than that. Closer than mere sisters, even. Hold on, I don't know to wash the paintbrush. In fact, Gia and Zuri truly believe they're twins. Oh, yeah. Ashley and Valencia are their moms. They will tell you that they are twins, and they have a long list of reasons why to back it up. <laughs> to them, what makes a twin? Uh, similarities. Similarities. Look, come, come here. For example, the girls say they're both four, their birthdays are practically the same day, and, of course, the obvious physical similarities. So what am I looking at here? The same height. Oh, because you're the same height. Clearly twins. Which is why they also insist on matching outfits whenever possible. So far, Ashley and Valencia have indulged them. But they also recognize there is some bitter to this suite. You know, you're happy for, you know, for a few seconds and then you become sad because they have to grow up. Mm. And then society takes over. Indeed. Society has already tried to take over. Last month, Zuri and Gia were at a birthday party when an older kid told them they couldn't be twins because they don't have the same skin color. Gia broke down. But through her tears, she got out this rebuttal. She said, you don't know what you're talking about. We're twins because we share the same soul. Uh, I just get chill bumps. Um... Soul? I was just, like, thrown by just that word. Yeah. 
Obviously, what Gia was trying to say is that, at our core, we are one. And as we look back on this year, with all its division and racial strife, it's important to remember that while all this was going on, so was this. We have a lot to learn, and, and we can learn from children. In fact, the moms say they already have. For sure. Yeah. We've never talked so much on the phone. Yeah. And that's what the twins want for all of us, to push back against the cynics. Some girls said we're not twins, and we are twins. And to stop it with this discrimination business once and for all. And it makes her sad. That way, they say, we can move on to the more important things in life. You know what we're going to get today? What? We're going to get Steve Hartman. And you don't. Oh, on the road, <laughs> without ice cream, in Miami. That is the CBS Evening News tonight. I'm Jeff Floor. That message from these two girls who get it is one of the guiding principles of my own personal calling to ministry. That this that this broken world needs a voice of bringing people together beyond the differences that we have inflicted upon ourselves, that we have created through our own perspective, through our own privilege, through our own blindness to these boxes. That is a profound part of what it means to be the church. And I have to tell you that being the senior pastor of this church will forever be one of the greatest privileges of my life. Because I know that this church earnestly gets it, earnestly tries to get it. Because we know that what it means to be centered in Christ and to be rooted in the Scripture means we have no choice but to be both warm-hearted and open-minded. To be open to a variety of people and a variety of perspectives. Because the truth of God, the heart of God, is bigger than those boxes. A few weeks ago, we concluded our three-week conversation series called Point of View. And the culminating moment on that third session was, for me, the highlight of that entire experience. There at the portico, in a room filled with people who had just gone through exercises of empathy and understanding and healthy dialogue, were asked a single question. They were asked to complete the sentence, the church I long for is. They were asked to offer words and phrases to complete that sentence. And I, I wonder how you would have completed that sentence. It was like opening a floodgate in that moment. Popcorning all around the room. Words and phrases coming fast and furious. So fast that we couldn't, we, we were having a hard time recording all of them in that flip chart. The church I long for is coming directly from the heart of the people of God called Hyde Park United Methodist. This, this is what they said. This is what we say. The church I long for is welcoming, unconditionally loving, inclusive, overflowing with love, accepting, committed to Jesus, unified in love, peaceful and warm, always asking questions, always learning, authentic diversity, open to change, 
trustworthy, does not discriminate, is going to change the world, works outside its walls, constantly tries to listen, bold and creative, keeps old traditions and finds new ones, is not afraid, sees you, accepts all who Jesus would accept, continues to make God's love real, balances confidence and humility, changes as needed, invests in future generations, has no borders, has no walls, accepting, tolerant, loving, is not satisfied, comfortable in gray areas, okay with saying it doesn't know all the answers, building bridges, united in diversity, willing to struggle. That's who we are. That's who God has called us to be. That's who Paul was calling the Ephesian church to be. Not because of our own efforts or our own merits, but because that is what God did for us in Jesus Christ. As Paul said, because of what Jesus did on the cross, the dividing wall of hostility has been broken. And all that divides us from God and us from each other can now be healed. And so the question for us today is how are you and I going to continue that work to which we've been called? The Spirit is stirring among us. The Spirit is groaning for a new way of living together as a broken world. How is the Spirit stirring in you? How might you break the dividing wall between you and someone else, someone who's different from you, someone for whom you might consider a stranger or an alien to yourself? I can't possibly run through all of the different scenarios to which the Spirit is calling you. I just invite you to listen. There is something that you can do. Perhaps you might examine your own perspective, your own penchant for discrimination, just like I have. Or the possibility of your own privilege, which blinds us, all of us, to the oppression that people find themselves in. You might simply change your behavior. You might strike up a conversation with someone with whom you disagree. Or someone who is your neighbor. Maybe your physical next door neighbor. Or possibly someone who lives in a very different part of town from you. You might choose to shop in a grocery store in a part of Tampa you don't normally shop in and see what happens. You might choose for a day to change your morning commute and instead of drive your car, take the bus and see who have those who have no choice but to ride that way. What might the Spirit be calling you to do to be part of this grand calling called the church? The antidote to tribalism in the world. Well, I know that there is a certain six-year-old in this congregation who gets it, just like those two little girls do. Her name is Sophia Anastasiu. Her, she and her parents, Wendy and Chris, stopped me after church uh, last month to share with me one of the most remarkable things that I've ever heard any, any six-year-old say. Sophia was riding in the back seat of the family car one day as they were driving around town. And out of the blue, Sophia started speaking. 
profound words, poetic words. Some of the most amazing words they'd ever heard Sophia say. Not just, not just any words, but theological, spiritual words. And not just deep words, but words that are relevant to our contemporary world. The words that embody the kind of non-tribalistic, empathetic kind of words that, that adults like us really need to hear. When they got home from that car trip, Chris, Sophia's dad, sat her down at the table and asked her to repeat what it was that she was saying so that Chris could write down what was on Sophia's heart. And so, so there, was, there was Chris with pen and paper in hand, like a scribe, like a, like a pilgrim approaching a prophetic oracle, trying to capture what it was that Sophia was saying in real time. And then they shared her words with me. Sophia was speaking the words of a poem she was making up out of the blue. A poem that she decided to title, Even If. Even If. So they stopped me after church. We sat in my office as she read her poem to me. Rather than read you her poem, I thought I would do one better and introduce you to Sophia Anastasiu herself. Even if by Sophia Anastasiu, things gone, love returns. That means if you had nothing in the world except food and water, you would still have your family and God's love and Jesus' love. Even if you forgot about everything in the world, you would still have your family and Jesus and God's love. Even if you were homeless, you would still have the power of your heart. You can never break God's love. God's love stands firm forever. Even, even if you had black skin and your sister had white skin, you would still be family. Even if I was a girl and you were a boy, you would still be family. Even if I had hair and you didn't, didn't, we would still be family. Even if you had everything in the world, we would still end the fight with God's love, the power of love. God's power, the power of love. How about that? Special thanks to Sophia Anastasiu, especially for including the business about not having hair still <laughs> being a part of God's love. But Sophia gets it. Those two preschool girls get it. Paul gets it. He wants the Ephesians church to get it. So let's get it. Let's work on it together to end the fighting and to seek justice against all of the oppression and evil that is in the world today. Let's get it, not by our own power, but as Sophia said, by God's power, the power of love. Let's pray together.
God, indeed, your spirit is stirring. It is not satisfied with the condition of the world. There are too many people who find themselves oppressed and on the outside because of the boxes that we have created. You call us, O God, to be a beacon of hope as we reconcile our differences in the name of love, in the name of the one who embodied love by giving himself up for us. This is a holy calling and a burdensome privilege. And, O God, stir within us. Stir within us any reluctance we have to be a part of that healing. And even the ways that we, though perhaps unintentionally, have been at fault, prompt us to action, prompt us to changes of heart and a release of those tendencies within ourselves so that we might be the antidote to the hurt of the world. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Holy Spirit, and in your holy church. And let all God's people say, Amen. And so we call for our response, not just our financial gifts, not just to pay the bills, but to participate in the movement, the ongoing movement of God in this church to bring healing and hope to the world. So we invite you to prepare not just your tithes and your offerings, but the fullness of the commitment of your hearts to be a part of God's work in and through us as the ushers come forward.